Who are the ad watchers? We are attorneys at the National Advertising Division of BBB National Programs, a team with 50 years of experience investigating and resolving disputes over the accuracy of national advertising campaigns. We don't just take ads at face value, we put them to the test. Why? Because advertising law can be simple, but it's the execution that's hard. Hi, Annie. How are you? Great. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. The summertime, the sun is shining. The kids are out of school and running wild. So are their avatars on the metaverse. So in consideration of those kiddos being out and about, and no doubt looking at content replete with marketing, we're going to devote today's episode to marketing directly to kids. If you are someone who is involved with marketing to kids or may become involved with marketing to kids, this episode is for you. But even if you're not, I think this episode is going to be of interest to you because it highlights considerations that advertisers must take into account when directing advertising to a specific audience. Now, Annie, you and I are going to get to step back a bit from the mic this episode because NAD doesn't review advertising claims directly targeted to children. Rather, under the BBB National Program's umbrella is another industry self-regulatory program that marketers should know about, which focuses on kid-directed advertising, isn't there? Sure, Dan. KBRU was originally created in 1974 as the investigative arm of the self-regulatory system charged with promoting responsible advertising to children under the age of 12. In 1996, KRU also gained jurisdiction over issues pertaining to the internet. KRU, like NAD, reviews and evaluates advertising claims for truth and accuracy, but recognizing children's immaturity, vulnerability, and lack of cognitive skills, it also adopted the self-regulatory program for children's advertising, or the KRU guidelines that also addresses the fairness and appropriateness of advertising to children. KRU systematically monitors advertisements from broadcast and cable television, radio, and children's magazines, and obviously, more prevalently, social media and online websites. KRU's jurisdiction also covers product packaging. KRU encourages participants to follow its guidelines. When advertisements are found to be misleading, inaccurate, or inconsistent with the guidelines, it seeks changes through voluntary cooperation of advertisers. In January 2001, KRU Safe Harbor became the first FTC-approved safe harbor under COPPA. Operators of websites and online services who are certified by KRU as members of its safe harbor program are deemed to be in compliance with COPPA, and are insulated from FTC enforcement actions. So with that, I will introduce KRU's new director, Rukia Bonner. Welcome, and please introduce yourself. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. As you mentioned, I am KRU's new director. I have been here for about a month. 
I am coming from Warner Brothers Discovery, where I was the director of standards and practices and oversaw children's advertising and did all of the commercials using KRU's guidelines, evaluated commercial content for our children's networks and all of our networks. So I am excited to be on this side of the table. We were KRU supporters for years, and now I am directing the program. So I am very excited to look at things from this lens. That's great. Hi, Rukia. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for telling us a little bit about yourself. What can you tell us about KRU's mission? We were established as the children's arm in supporting industry self-regulation. KRU promotes responsible advertising to children. We monitor child-directed advertising to ensure it's truthful, accurate, appropriate, and compliant with our guidelines. Rukia, our audience knows that NAD and FTC, when reviewing advertising claims, consider the messages conveyed to a reasonable consumer in the audience to whom the marketing is directed. Now, KRU is founded on that same recognition, right? The kids view advertising differently than an older audience. What special considerations do advertisers need to bear in mind when directing advertising to kids? Oh, goodness. Um, Children are less able to distinguish between what is advertising and what is not. Children are more susceptible to pushy advertising and more easily influenced and swayed. And indeed, advertisers do have special responsibilities. Children have limited sophistication, knowledge, experience, so they may not understand the persuasive intent of advertising. I know when my kids were small, if a product or service claimed to be the best this, it was it was not a question. This was absolutely the best and there was no arguing them down or if something was just 9.99 then it, this is this is a great price. It's just 19.99 or 199.99. So children are more likely to take things literal whereas adults or reasonable adults may understand that puffery is an exaggeration or they may understand that it's you know subjective tactics such as puffery or as like you said your audience already knows subjective exaggeration is just not widely understood by children so advertisers have to be very mindful in the messaging so buy it now or messaging that may minimize the financial impact or create a sense of urgency. Children are especially influenced by that. So indeed, special considerations should be made. So so one interesting aspect of, of KRU is its recognition that the responsibilities advertisers uh, have goes beyond ensuring that advertising is truthful and supportive. Can you speak to that? Sure. Um, advertising serve as informational. It it can serve as an informational role and influence positive qualities and behaviors from healthy eating habits to proper use of safety gear to behavior in general, including honesty and respect. I can remember some ads that came across my desk for review at Warner Brothers Discovery where children were having tantrums or standing on tables or doing things that were imitable and not not necessarily responsible, or they were doing things to disrespect their caregivers in the advertisements. And we would have comment. We would respond back to the agencies uh, in connection to their responsibility for promoting positive behaviors. Children are so impressionable. So we do want to ensure that the behavior they see is positive. And that goes for I think we touched on it wearing safety gear or even you don't see children interacting with harsh cleaning products. You see children when eating 
a meal. They, they're at a table. They're not eating on the go. We promote healthy eating habits, balanced meals. When you see a child or a toy, since we're coming up on the summertime, as Dan mentioned at the start of this, there's so many water activities that children engage in and so many toys. You'll notice that there's always an adult that's nearby in the advertising. You know, at, on the other side of the table, again, that was always a recommendation that we gave based on KRU guidelines to show an adult by water to show an adult nearby. So those are extra responsibilities that advertisers do have in, in connection with influencing positive personal behaviors and positive qualities and safe safety and positivity. Well, Rukia, speaking of adults, so one challenge I sometimes had when I worked at a company that, that sold a lot of different products was that it's not always easy to like know exactly what Kru may consider to be advertising to kids because you know sometimes like even if you're selling a product that has appeal to kids that marketing might actually be directed at, at the parents knowing that it's the parents who are most likely to purchase the item for the child or you know, my brother has a son my nephew and my brother buys him Pokemon cards. But I have a sneaking suspicion that my brother also has an interest <laughs> in Pokemon cards. You know, there seem to be so many products that are appealing to both kids and kids at heart, adults. How does Keru kind of discern what advertising is really directed to kids versus advertising that might have a product that can be appealing to kids, but might really have more of a general or older audience as its target? That's a great question, Dan. There is not one determining factor. Unfortunately, I can't say, well, if it has this, it's directed towards kids. We look at the net impression. So we look at things such as the tone, the colors used, the voice. So some ads will actually say, you can do this and you can do that. Whereas other ads say, your kid will have hours of enjoyment or your kid will or your child will. So sometimes there's an actual voice that's speaking or you can look forward to this delivery every month. This is going to arrive in your mailbox instead of your child will look forward to this arriving, that you can do this together and put this together and do this. So sometimes the actual voice can be a hint. Again, the colors, the tone, the age of the actors, the characters. I know that there was a thought once upon a time, and I know as we talked about before, this landscape evolves and we're coming up on 50 years. If you can't tell, I'm very excited about that. But there used to be a time when sometimes uh, people would assume that an ad was for a child based on a cartoon character. But as we know, that does not necessarily mean that it's intended for a child. There are many cartoons now that are or for adults that are connected to adult-themed programs. So again, there's not one factor that is determining. We look at the net impression, and oftentimes there is a hint in the commercial as to the directive or as to whom they are speaking with. You can versus your child can. And you can also look at some things that are implied, such as is, is a child doing the activity? So, so there are different things that you can look to that can suggest to whom the commercial is directed. 
So following up on what you mentioned earlier, Rukia, in terms of sort of showing, reinforcing positive narratives, etc. Obviously, marketers have to avoid right, misleading consumers, whether the target audience is adults or children. But are there, um, can you tell us a little bit about other considerations in terms of when you're marketing to kids, you know, the, the guidelines that might speak to certain depictions and other representations that marketers need to, to be mindful of in their advertising? When you said disclosures, Annie, or maybe I thought of it, I think you said disclosures, but that is absolutely something that advertisers must bear in mind. And I can't tell you as a child growing up how many times I opened a gift at Christmas and thought this product was going to do something fantastic. And it was just the worst. You open up the box and it is just a flat piece of something. I don't even know, but in the commercial, it was just fantastical. So there are disclosures that advertisers should use. An example would be that a toy doesn't move on its own because there may be a fantasy sequence or an animated sequence in the commercial where children are just in an underwater world or in outer space and all of these things are happening around them. And a child may think that when they play with it, these things are going to happen with them also, or the toy moves in a certain way, whereas the toy is pretty much just like a rock and you have to hold it and make it fly and zoom and all kind of things. Even something as simple as a sound effect if a toy has a sound effect in the commercial in the sequence, that should be disclosed, sound effects used, or fast, there's a certain kind of photography that's used. So you, when you see these building toys being put together, you know, my brother and I would think that we would have this done just as quickly as they did in the commercial. In reality, it's taken us about a month to get it together, <laughs> you know. So there are definitely special considerations that should be taken, that should be disclosed. There are special you know what I'm thinking of that comes to mind immediately with my own children. So many things are connected to an electronic device. It must be disclosed that the device is not included. So really, you may just be getting a piece of paper. You may just be getting something cardboard with holes in it that has to be connected to a device. So yes, absolutely. That would have saved a few Christmases growing up in the Bonner household <laughs> had those things been disclosed. And so many others. <laughs> I feel like this is something that we experienced even in our own childhood. <laughs> Advertise one thing and then get something very different. <laughs> Completely different. And it's something that you have put on your list and been excited about for a long time. And you get it and you're like, what is this? So yes, yes, absolutely. There are special disclosures. And, and really, it's just transparency and truthful. And it's not deceptive because when you get somebody so excited about a toy based on how it is being displayed or how it is used in the commercial, it's just responsible to disclose that information. Yeah. I, I'm uh, reminded of um, a He-Man action figure I had when I was a young boy. What well, was that your, uh, was He-Man? Orko was my favorite. This character was named Stinkor. Oh, I don't... And he was like a skunk. <laughs> and it was like advertised that he actually stunk. I don't... Re oh. And you know what? What? Compliments to Mattel. <laughs> it actually stunk. Like a oh, scratch and nice. stiff? I was, was going to say, yeah. <laughs> no, you know what? Like, I don't know if this is true. Apparently, the manufacturer put like patchouli oil in the plastic mold when they created the action figure. So Stinkor really stunk. That is cool. And I don't That's remember great. that character. 
He was he was fringe. He was fringe, I think. You're right, yes. Yeah. But anyway, that was one where, you know, it would have been really easy for, I think, the ad. And I don't remember the stink or advertisement, but it would have been really easy, it seemed to me, to like over-exaggerate extent of his stink. I, I think it came through, you know. <laughs> so anyway, that kind of segues, Rukia, into the fact that Again, back when I was a boy, I would see most of my advertising when I watched my He-Man cartoons. So, you know, Saturday mornings and then you get all the you get all the best advertisements for toys and everything else. But, you know, back in those days, I would want those those things. But my parents still had to go to an actual brick and mortar store to buy those toys. And now I think of my own daughter. She's nine. And so her experience is like all other kids today. You know, she doesn't really sit down and watch cartoons on Saturday morning. Rather, she's on her, her iPad and she's watching shows on her iPad and she might check out something on YouTube Kids or she might go somewhere else. And that's where she's seeing all of her content in kind of this online digital environment. And... Of course, we know in that environment, you can buy goods with just the click of a button. You don't have to go to a physical location to buy something. So that sort of illustrates some of the challenges that KRU must be facing when looking at, at advertising in the online marketplace. What other sort of considerations or issues or challenges does online digital environment present? Well, our guidelines extend to the metaverse. They extend to online advertisements. And in connection with blurring the lines of advertising and non-advertising matter, uh, there is or creative content versus advertising. Sometimes the lines are blurry, but again, our guidelines do apply. So advertising should be easily identifiable. There should not be a blur. Advertising should be identifiable with proper disclosures. There should also be contextual clues in terms of borders and colors, perhaps bumpers, perhaps it's happening during a pre-roll, depending on when it occurs. But advertisers have a responsibility and they have the responsibility to distinguish between advertising and non-advertising content. They have a responsibility to ensure that misleading design techniques are not used. They have a responsibility to ensure that they're not manipulative tactics or deceptive door openers. So they absolutely have the same responsibilities. It's just in a different place. It's in a different, well, it's, it's in the metaverse. It's in, on the internet. It's online. But the same guidelines. So switching gears a little bit, I thought maybe you could speak to us about how KRU looks at endorsers and influencers. And, and in this space, there are actually kid-fluencers, right? Children who are who are also influencers with shockingly following of millions on YouTube. I'm still amazed by it. But yeah, can you speak to us about the rules of the road? Sure, we follow guidance. One of the things that's really important when it comes to influencers and endorsers, it is important that they disclose their material connections, which is sometimes different than 
user-generated content because they may or may not be affiliated with the company. But when there are people, endorsers or influencers, who get paid from the clicks, who get paid from people using this code to go online and get more, let's just say just more because that's what it is, then they have to disclose their connection. Children should know that this person is being paid to sell you this service or product or avatar or something, whatever it is that they are influencing or encouraging children to get, children need to know that those people are being paid to do this. And I think that that line is so blurry also because sometimes kids are playing side by side by these people. And there perhaps is a misconception that this is your peer, this is your friend, when in fact this person is getting paid to promote whatever it is that they are promoting, whether it is for you to go someplace, go play in this place, go use this code to get something or whatever it is. Right. So it sounds like it, marketers still, of course, have, this, have the same obligation, just like if they were using endorsers or influencers to a non-child audience to disclose material connections. But I take it, of course, considering some of the lack of sophistication in terms of marketing techniques with kids. Just like you were speaking, Rukia, about the obligation of marketers to really make it crystal clear to kids, not just to adults, the difference between editorial content and advertising so that kids can recognize it's advertising. I take it that same heightened obligation applies to disclosure of material connections so that the kids know that, yeah, this isn't just the, the character within the context of the reality show or whatever who's talking about this good. It, absolutely. That's correct, Dan. So, Rukia, I mean, clearly all marketers need to know the KRU guidelines, really, I think, forwards and backwards to ensure that their, their advertising to kids is, is responsible. I also know that KRU provides other services um, and resources to marketers and advertisers and others um, to help with responsible marketing practices to kids. Can you speak to us a little bit about those other services? Of course, I'll do a commercial. Are you ready? No. <laughs> KRU is, we're always here to help. And we do offer pre-screening. So we have a pre-screening service where we help people from concept to final creative, concept, script, animatic, if applicable, storyboards, rough draft, final cut, to give them guidance for responsibly advertising to children. It is free to our supporters. It's free to our members and for the low, low cost of no, and it is available to others for a fee, but it is absolutely something we do to ensure that people get it right. So we do provide guidance for the entire creative process of an ad campaign. Kia, has there been any update to the uh, KRU guidelines that you want to mention? Uh, sure. As a matter of fact, as of January 1st, 2022, we did publish new guidelines and it not only takes into consideration the growing digital landscape as children use digital tools to learn, socialize and play, but the part that I'm most impressed with, and it's something new for me, and it really um, is an extension of a value here at BBB National Programs, and that is DEIB. I've always heard of DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, but since coming here, I learned about the B in belonging, and it's such an important part. I, I love that. So I 
love the BBB national programs of DEIB. And the new guidelines encourage advertisers to recognize their power to promote positive change by reflecting human diversity in their campaign. So one of the things that, again, the new guidelines take into consideration is an advertiser's role in celebrating diversity, putting forth that content should be welcoming to children of all races, religions, cultures, genders, sexual orientations, and physical and cognitive abilities. Overall, it encourages, again, advertisers to celebrate diversity. So that was something big. Rukia, thanks for this overview of KRU and the work that's doing and the considerations that advertisers need to keep in mind when they're marketing to kids. Is there, are there any other thoughts or suggestions for advertisers doing kid-directed marketing that you'd like to share? No, this has been so wonderful. I really thank you. And I'm actually going to go look for a vintage stink ore, actually. But this has been great. Thank you so much for having me. You let me know. And look, but it's still in its original packaging. Don't open it. It's going to be worth a lot of money. I know you'll be tempted. You'll be tempted because you want to see if it stinks. But don't do it. It's going to be very rare. Okay. Thanks for joining us today, Rukia. I thought I'd mention one more sister organization, and that is the Children's Food and Beverage Advertising Initiative, or CFBAI. This was formed in uh, 2006 by the Council of Better Business Bureaus and the then National Advertising Review Council. And the CFBAI is a voluntary advertising self-regulation program created to improve the landscape of food advertising to children. It includes the leading food, beverage, and restaurant companies. Under CFBAI's core principles, its participants voluntarily commit in company-specific pledges to advertise only foods that meet CFBAI's category-specific uniform nutrition criteria and advertising primarily directed to children under age 13 or to not advertise to this age group. They have revised and strengthen their core principles multiple times and most recently in January 2023. Yeah, that's great. I mean, look, as a parent myself, I'm grateful for the work of KRU and CFBAI. And I'm grateful to Rakia for joining us and telling us more about KRU's work and guidance to marketers. For those in our audience who market to kids, I recommend that they regularly visit the KRU program section on the BBB National Programs website at www.bbbnationalprograms.org to keep up with KRU's work and developments in the children's advertising space. And if that kid-directed marketing involves food or beverages, Annie, as you said, you know, I, I encourage our audience to check out the CFBAI page, which can also be found at the BBB National Programs website. That'll do it for this episode of Ad Watchers. See you again soon, Annie. Take care. See you next time. Thanks again for tuning in to Ad Watchers. Be sure to check out our previous episodes at accountabilitystudio.org, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to get notified about our next episode. Until then, leave us a review and let us know what you'd like to hear us discuss later this season. Mm-hmm.